This is a Capricorn FM podcast. We are right now speaking about the incident that took place uh, at a high school in Mpumalanga. Kriel Huorskul, where Mwafanasitole, who's the young man that lost his life, unfortunately, to suicide. You know, after being accused of uh, rape and, you know, the school not handling that matter particularly well. Well, that is according to his friends who went and marched and protested Wanakwa Mpumalanga police station. So we we also wanted to hear from you, Hore. What are your thoughts on that? How should schools handle such? Right now, however, I am joined on the line by Philip Platzoayo, uh, who's an educationalist um, who specializes in curriculum development and management. Philip? Um, hi, how are you? Good in yourself. Good, good. Good. Thank you so much. And uh, welcome to Capricorn Drive, okay? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, now, Philip... Schools are, I don't know how to put this, schools are obviously in a tricky bind when a learner accuses another of rape, you know? So what would you say is the worst way for the school to handle this matter? Yeah, um, so this, this is quite a complex and sensitive topic of discussion. And that is mainly because it brings a number of entities and role players in the face of every accusation. So let me try and paint a picture here. Um, in any matter that arises at a school level, you generally have the family structure, um, you have the school and the learner involved. And that ranges from anything, whether it's, it has to do with academics or maybe there's a discipline issue or any other issue that involves the learner. Um, and in the case of a rape accusation, I think you'd have at least the family structures um, the legal arm uh, represented by the cops or the police, um, the accuser and the accused, and you know the general school community as people who are involved. Mm-hmm. Now, the worst ways of you know handling a rape accusation um, includes the, the attempt to solve it within the school structures, um, and this is you know mainly attributed to the nature of of you know a rape accusation. You can't discuss it in a school um, school principal's office or in a classroom, you know, you can't you can solve it there. Um, I think secondly, you know, making judgments based on learners' profiles, um, based on who makes the accusation or who is accused, um, and you make a judgment mainly on those learners' profiles, um, then deadly is trying to sweep it under the carpet to maintain, you know, some kind of harmony to avoid, you know, negative publicity uh, publicity in case of uh, the story going out and actually being covered by maybe newspapers or local, um, you know, media media places like radio stations and all that. Um, so the list goes on. But what we need to uh, pick from all of this is that anything that goes against the common practices of, of escalating matters would constitute a poor handling of the issue. All right. Um, generally, uh, and I'm not sure if you did touch on this, but generally, what are the procedures from the time of the allegation that the school ideally need to put in, put in place? I, I, I mean, I did hear that you said or them trying to solve it within the school does not work. That should be ruled out. So what would you say are the proper steps? Yeah, so there are no definitive procedures, and it depends on the case brought forward. And how is it? It is brought, you know. Um, so let me just give you an example. If say a, a school 
girl under maybe the age of 16 reports to a teacher as her, you know, confident that maybe his uh, her, her uncle or father or neighbor has sexually viola- violated her. The teacher is ob- obligated by law to report this to, to the school seniors. In this case, it would be your deputy principal or principal. Um, the school will then have to take steps to consult with the parents or the legal guardian um, on opening a criminal case of uh, statutory rape. Um, but what we've seen in that in 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 that area is that the law is being is being revised um, in terms of granting the schools more autonomy in opening the case without the the, the involvement of the parents. And the reason why they're doing that is because what we have picked up in schools, um, I've, I've also experienced this when I was practicing, that sometimes when a, a child has reported such a case and you want to open a, a criminal case at a police station, the parents tend to um, refuse to go on with the process, mainly because they are afraid of being targeted or they don't want their name out there, they don't want to attract any attention. So you have one case such as that, um, but if it's a if it is a learner against a learner case, then the parents' involvement is the first step, uh, which is then followed by you know involvement of the police, which will then determine what happens going forward. Mm-hmm. And of course, there are complex you know complexities in these procedures that I've just outlined because it is not a linear progression of events, which means it might involve. A lot of more, a lot more role players than specified, and hence the, hence I said there is no, you know, yeah. definitive procedure. Now, um, I'd like to believe the the learners that you know witnessed, um, you know, um, I, I don't even know how to put it, but the you know the incident, the you know, yeah, the, yes. the, the, the the poor kid, man, you know, um, how does the school then support, uh, or how can they support the remaining learners who? Uh, so the incident, you know? Yeah, so there are two levels in, in terms of that support. I mean, the first one, obviously, is dealing with the loss, um, in which, you know, the Department of Education will have to provide counseling services, whether it's in, in terms of, you know, um, the general school population, because I, I can just imagine how many, you know, learners are affected at the school. Um, but at the second level, which is, what I'm more concerned about is, you know, the, the learners' interactions going forward, how they process and reflect on this incident. You know, there are learners who may have been, you know, close to, uh, you know, Bafana Sitole or the person who has, um, you know, posted the accusation. Um, and the school has to provide a special support for those learners to avoid, you know, things like finger pointing, bullying, and other cases of misdemeanor that may unfold at a later stage. Um, and I think what the, the trick about all of this is, and I must say this carefully because we don't want to, um, you know, deal with the sensitive issue recklessly. In, in the case of Bafana Sitoli, it, it, it is a unique case in the sense that it, 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 it bypasses the common involvement of the role players and it, and it unfolds in the in the public platform, which is a quite a tricky, quite a tricky space to deal with, you know, or navigate. So, you know, um, and I've heard recently that uh, police are busy with investigation checks to establish and confirm 
the identity of the account holder that posted the accusation. Um, you know, and, and I think the reason why they're going down that route is because the, the social media space, um, accountability becomes a very vague concept, you know. So yeah, I think yeah. the best thing that the best thing that the school can do at this point is just to offer support to learners and teachers affected by this at all levels, you know. Um, even if they can extend to, to families that, that would be great. Um Philip, would you say, you know, it is like, because now, you know, social media is, is like, I agree with you. It's, it's a very weird place, but they are holding the, they are holding the school accountable, you know, um, for mm. what happened. Do you think that is a fair judgment? Um, maybe perhaps let me just begin by saying schools reflect the society. Um, and what we often see is that the patterns that are common in, in the general communities that we we live in and the society that we live in are common in, in schools. Um, but however, you know, schools are not simply victims of circumstances because they still hold the power in terms of shaping and influencing, you know, the socialization of learners. Um, and they must have, you know, things in place in terms of support, um, in terms of creating a, a safe environment that where learners can be able to reach out um, to teach us if they need help, you know, and not shut them out. Uh, but I think in in the face of, you know, popular culture and social media freedom, there are two questions that we need to ask ourselves as citizens. What triggered the, the accusation and what was the anticipated outcome? Because I really have, I take a big issue, um, you know, on the trends of social media and how it has influenced, you know, how teenagers behave and um, how they act to get, you know, attention and all these, um, the likes and you name it, you know, you know how the social media space work. But I think it's equal responsibility that um, needs to be taken both by the school and the community as well, because yeah. um, we, we, we have to realize that the role that is played by the society reflects the kind of characters that our kids um, you know, build and then display at a later stage um, and as well as what happens within the school actually influences that. So I wouldn't say one party has to take all the blame, but it's, it's it, you know, a shared blame, but on different um, levels, of course, uh, because we're dealing with, with, with different responsibilities in this case. All right, and lastly, uh, you know, real quick, because I'm, I'm out of time, and then I don't know how you would answer this, but um, we, we got a text here that says uh, there needs to be a stern punishment for false rape accusations. Where do you stand with that? Um, so, yeah, I think with, with, with the law, um, I'm not a law expert, but I think from what we've had in the past um, unfoldings of similar cases like this one, they are, I mean, consequences for that. But I think what what is special with this particular uh, case, especially Bafana's case, I think, you know, when you read the, the suicidal letter, you, you get a sense that there's a lamentation um, and an indication of hopelessness in the face of, you know, the issue that he was, or the accusation that he was facing. Um, and it tells you that the learner did not know where to turn to, you know, 
um, the perhaps the legal st- systems did not guarantee you know impartiality or justice mm. in his head. So there are obviously ways that you could take this up with you know um, the the law route, but the legal route. But I think what is is more scary is that if you're facing an, an accusation right now. Um, I think the immediate consequence that you can think of is going to to jail, and I think those other things come at a at a, sec- a secondary stage. And I think what we need more than anything is to to create an awareness that there are routes that you can take in terms of um, finding the help and and clearing your name should you find yourself in that kind of a position. Um, right. But yeah. I, I, we must say that they, they, they are alternatives. Um, well, thank you so much, you know, for, for taking your time and talking to us here, Philip. We really do appreciate you, okay? Thank you so much, Tim. That was a Capricorn FM podcast. For more podcasts, visit capricornfm.co.za.